Welcome to the Abbott Loop Community Church Podcast. Enjoy this message from Josh Tanner. So we're going to teach the book of Romans. Every summer in our church, we like to teach verse by verse through a book of the Bible. Last year, we were doing verse by verse through Romans, but Romans is huge. So I split it into two summers. Good thinking, right? Otherwise, we'd be doing it all year long, right? So I decided we'd split it up. So we're going to go verse by verse, and we're going to get as far as we decide we want to, right? Hopefully, we get through the whole rest of it, but I will not be bound to that. Amen? So we're doing Romans chapter 7, verses 1. We're really going to go through verse 14. Uh, I decided I'd add an extra verse. And uh, anyway, but we got to start in Romans chapter 6. So Romans chapter 6, so you can understand Romans chapter 7, just backing up a little bit. The context of Romans chapter 6 is that the believer is dead to sin. Super important that you and I understand that in Christ, we are dead to sin. You're actually dead to quite a few things, and that's good news. Sometimes you're like, what? Dead? No, dead is good. Because in Christ, when you die with him, really good things are born. So Romans chapter 6, verse 6. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. When we're crucified with Christ, our body that we had control of is now crucified with Christ. That means it's put to death. And that it is now done away with. Sin might be done away with. That we would no longer be slaves to sin. If you haven't chosen Jesus, then guess what? You're a slave to sin. You're not crucified with Christ. You're alive. And that's not good. There's a part of you that's alive. It's your sin nature. But when you give your heart to Jesus, something in you dies. It gets buried, put in the ground. You're like, that's good. Yeah, that's good. Because sin leads to death. Sin's not good for you. It's just poison. It's a cancer that gets stuck onto you. And in the Bible, it talks about sin like grave clothes that are wrapped around you. You're like a mummy, right? And being a mummy's gross. You might not have known that till now. But being a mummy is gross. All right? And so sin is like these grave clothes that are wrapped all around you, but when you die with Christ or crucified with him, you get buried in the ground, and those grave clothes come off, and you're not a slave to them anymore. You get set free from them, and because, verse 7, anyone who has died has been set free from sin. All right, sorry, I don't have that one up there. But verse 7 says, anyone who has died with Christ is now set free. You actually come alive with Christ. That's the good news. You're dead to something else. Chapter 7, Romans 7, we're going to dive in. It teaches us that we're dead to the law. So you're dead to sin, and you're also, as a believer in Christ, another thing that's in the grave clothes that gets buried in the ground is the law. You are not now dead to the law. Romans chapter 7, verse 1. Do you not know, brothers and sisters, for I'm speaking to those who know the law, that the law has authority over someone only as long as that person lives. So let's pause on this point. The law has authority over you as long as you live. 
So just like sin had authority over you and you were a slave to it when you were alive, the law has authority over you if you haven't died yet. This is where it's good to die, right? You're like, pastor told me I need to die. Just spiritually, okay? You need your old person to die, not really die. Okay, so here we go. Don't, uh, that person lives. So the example, verse 2, by law, a married woman is bound to her husband as long as he is alive. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law that binds her to him. So then, if she has sexual relations with another man while her husband is still alive, she is called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is released from that law and is not an adulteress if she marries another man. Okay, to stay away from the marriage example here is it's an example of, and this is the principle that, that Paul is teaching, is that when you're, when you're alive, you're bound. Just like in marriage. When the two make a covenant, when you're alive, you're bound. But when someone dies, you're now released, set free. And so the principle Paul is trying to draw and use this example from is that when you're alive, you're bound, and when you're dead, you're loosed. Okay. So when you're alive, you're bound. When you're dead, you're loose. The principle of releasing, it comes from when you die. Jesus said, unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it's not gonna live. The real life that you're made for will not spring up and live. And so there is a process that God wants us to die to our sin, and he wants us to die to the law. What? Yep, it's true. So, because if we are alive to it, then we got to live by it. And if we live by one, we have to live by them all. Romans 7, 4. So my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who raised from the dead in order that we might bear fruit for God. When we die to the law, through Jesus, we start to belong to someone else. We belong to the Spirit of God. And we start to bear his fruit. Christ died, and we as believers died with him. This is the piece we got to take away. We, he died, and when he died, we also died with him through the body of Christ. We belong now to him. Now, this is the key. The law didn't die. We died to the law. Okay. You can't get this piece wrong because we're going to dig in. We're going to talk about because sometimes then the argument comes up, so are we saying the law is bad? We're not saying the law is bad. And we're not saying the law died. Jesus came and fulfilled the law. Fulfilled it. Did not abolish it. Said, I didn't come to destroy it. I came to complete it. Check mark. Done. And when it's done in Christ, it's done. So you and I no longer have to go back to the law and be crushed by the weight of all these rules and regulations and live up to all that stuff. Because it is so heavy. It's not doable. And every person that tried didn't succeed, but one, and that was Jesus, because he was God. And he lived and fulfilled that law and 
closed the chapter forever. And so now, we are now dead to that. When we die with Christ, when we are born again in him, we die to our old self, our sin nature, and the law all goes away so that we can actually bear this good fruit. If we don't die to it, we can't produce good fruit. Trying to live up to the law never produces good fruit. What? He who is raised from the dead, we have to be united with him who is raised from the dead to produce good fruit. That is how it comes. United with the spirit, that is where the good fruit comes from. All right, verse five. For when we were in the realm of the flesh, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work within us so that we bore the fruit, we bore fruit for death. But now by dying to what? Once bound us, we have been released from the law so that we serve in the new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the written code. Okay. So there's a whole new code. There's a whole new way to live. And it's not to measure up to the law. And sometimes you think, oh man, if I'm gonna go to church, I'm gonna get saved and give my heart to Jesus. I've gotta punch this code i got to live up to this huge code, and now I've got to follow all these rules. That is not the way life in Christ happens. The way life in Christ that produces good fruit is that we die to sin, and we're buried with it, and then we die to the law too. And when we die to the law, this is what happens. The law doesn't die. That righteous standard still exists. But what happens is now we live according to the Spirit. This is a totally different way. Not the old code of trying to measure up. A new way of living. Guess who the Spirit is? Who's the Holy Spirit? He's God. What? He's God. And he's part of the triune nature of God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. God is a person. And all three parts of God are a person. And when we have relationship with a person, what are some of the things we do? We spend time with them. We have community with them. What happens in community? Yeah, relationship is we talk to each other. We spend time with each other. And then what else do we do? We listen. That's right, brother. We listen. What? We listen to the Holy Spirit? This is freaking me out, Pastor. I can't even believe you're telling me this stuff. We get to know each other. It's personal. Life in Christ is not a bunch of rules and regulations. You're dead to that. But you know what? When you get into relationship with the Holy Spirit, and imagine this, you ask him before you do something. Lord, should I do this thing? And then he says what? Yes or no? Do you know life in the spirit is literally that easy? You know right here in your spirit whether you should or not. And you're not talking, is it globally right for everybody or wrong for everybody? Stop thinking that way. That's not life in the spirit. Your job isn't to create a new rule for everybody to follow. Because in this one moment, the Holy Spirit said no. Or he said yes. And trust me, 
The Holy Spirit will never violate his own nature. And you know what the nature of the Holy Spirit looks like? Ten Commandments. You're telling me that righteousness actually looks like the law too? Yep. Because the law is not dead. It defines perfect righteousness. You just don't have to live up to it because Christ did it and he jammed it inside you. That's actually called imputed righteousness. It's a pretty rad word that means all of the full, complete nature of Christ and God and who he is jammed inside of you and you didn't do anything to deserve it or earn it or make it happen. You just asked him for salvation and he did it for you. That's his grace. That's by his grace. That's his power, his complete work. And now the life-giving, law-giving spirit is inside you to guide you in every circumstance, situation. And that's all you need to know. And you just stay in unity with the Holy Spirit and in relationship with him, and he'll lead you into every moment. Imagine this. The people around you, they're blowing up, and they're making bad decisions, and they're sinning, and they're harming and hurting other people around you and they're doing things you don't think are right, just, or good. <clears throat> and instead of taking the law and saying, you're not living up to this, and then just start smashing them with it, bam, bam, or behaving in sin because they are. So if someone else sins, I just go, okay, well they sin, so then I get a pass too. Imagine if we stopped and said, Holy Spirit, how do you want me to respond? It might look like righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Spirit. It might look like goodness, kindness, gentleness, humility, and self can what? Self control. Self can what? Self control. You heard me? A fruit of the Holy Spirit is self control. You and now are no longer slave to lack of control, which is in your sin nature. You are actually freed from lack of control and in the power of the Holy Spirit can control self. And when you center and align yourself and say, I no longer want to be in charge of my life. I don't want sin or the law to be now my master. I want the Holy Spirit to be my master, to be my Lord. And when you ask him for every response, if we were that disciplined to slow down and ask the Holy Spirit for the response, I believe we'd start getting better fruit. It says that that fruit, that good fruit, comes from that relationship with the life-giving spirit, not the law. Some good preaching coming on up in here. <laughs> with Christ, we died. And as believers, we died with him. All right, did I read verse four yet? So my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law through the body of Christ. I did. So that you might belong to another, to him who is raised from the dead in order that we might bear fruit. So Christ died and we as believers died with him. The law didn't die. We died to the law. Verse five. So when we were in the realm of the flesh, the sinful passions aroused, the law was uh, the law were at work in us so that we bore fruit for death. But now, by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law that serves in the new way, okay, in the spirit. And this old ring code. So I want you to think about this again. We're gonna unpack this in just a little bit different direction. Is that when I'm no longer bound to the spirit, I mean, bound to the law, okay, 
and I live by my spirit, I also have, the law has now exposed my sin. All right? The law brings us exposure to the sin. Let's look in verse seven. What shall we say then? Is the law sinful? Certainly not. Nevertheless, I would not have known what sin was had it not been for the law. Law has this, the law has this way of like digging around and defining what is right and wrong. Think about like an archaeologist that is digging under the sand and when it's all filled in, he doesn't know what's under there, but as he begins to dig, all of a sudden there's a hidden city under there. Well, when the law came, it was like the archaeologist that dug all around the city and defined what sin was. You're like, oh, that is sin. Yikes. <clears throat> so I wouldn't have known what it was as it wasn't for the law. For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, you shall not covet. So when the law defines this, all of a sudden you go, that's wrong. And then this really crazy thing starts to happen. I call it the Dennis the Menace Syndrome. But sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, produced in me every kind of coveting. For apart from the law, sin was dead. So like what happens is this, is that coveting, now all of a sudden, when I know coveting is wrong, I'm like, I really am starting to covet all the Rick's stuff. I like his barbecue grill. It's so awesome. I want Rick's barbecue grill. Rick looks cool on his motorcycle. I want one too, right? But, but if I didn't know coveting wasn't, was, was wrong, I would be like, eh, no big deal. See, this happened. This is why I call it the Dennis the Menace Syndrome, is that if you put a red button in front of a child and you say, don't touch it, he can't help himself. He's like, I'm not supposed to touch that. Don't do it. And he has to touch the button. This happened in the garden with the knowledge of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God says, the first command, don't touch that. And then the, the devil comes in and he goes, oh, if you touch it, you're going to learn things that God, he's holding back from you. And all of a sudden, boom, got to touch the button. Right? And when they know it's wrong, then your sin nature gets all stirred up and wants to do the thing. Okay, but sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, produced, so the, seize the commandment, and now all of a sudden it gives sin an opportunity to get leverage on me, for apart from the law, sin was dead. It didn't have power because I didn't know what was right and wrong. It just did everything. The city was buried. Just walk wherever I want. Once I was alive, apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin sprang to life and I died. So when the commandments came to life, it showed me that sin was real. And when the law came about, it caused us to now see that we are truly unrighteous and we are in sin and sin leads to death. So now we're all dead. Not so awesome. Okay, I found that every commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. Okay, so the law, when you get subject to it, brings death to your life. Because sin now has leverage over you, because it exists. Okay, the law exposes my sin, and then sin gets leverage over me. Verse 11, for sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, deceived me. Sin deceived me. 
and through the commandment put me to death. Sin used the law to take advantage of me. Look at verse 12. So then the law is holy and the commandment is holy, righteous and good. Did that which is good then become death to me? By no means. Nevertheless, in order that sin might be recognized as sin, it used what is good to bring about my death, so that through the commandment, sin might become utterly sinful. Verse 14. We know that the law is spiritual, and I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. Okay, so I'm going to slow this down just a little bit. Is that we're talking right here is that the law, as it exposed sin... Sin then, in my sin nature, goes, that's wrong. I have to do that. And it deceives us. And it takes advantage of us. And without Jesus in the picture, it just gets leverage over us. And it takes advantage of us. And we get overwhelmed by that sin. It's a crazy little death loop that happens. And so this is what the good news is. Is that we're dead to sin, Romans 6. And in Christ... We are also dead to the law, which exposes sin, and then sin gets a grip, an ex, like a, a supercharge on us, because now we know, we know it's wrong. And in our sinful nature, our sin nature wants to go do what is wrong. So when we get hidden in Christ Jesus or rescued in Christ Jesus, that law that was death to us, we're not saying it's bad. The law is good. We're just set free from it. We get set free from the power of the law and the power of sin that leads to death. Okay, so God's law, let's recap just a little bit. God's law exposes good and evil, right? God's law exposes good and evil, but that sin, all sin, church, leads to death. Not just some of it, but all of it. Every tiniest little bit. And sometimes we get this idea that, oh, just a little bit of this sin is like going to be okay in our life. And, 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 oh, if I just allow a little bit of this to jump in, it's going to be okay. And then sometimes we drift off into this thinking that if now I'm having life in the Spirit, I'm totally liberated from the law, and, and this standard of righteousness no longer applies or is bad. It's not true. So this is another thing that Paul's trying to teach here is just because we're dead to the law and the law didn't actually help us, it exposed us, doesn't make it bad. It actually defines what is good. And, and we go, okay, that's good. So when we listen to the Holy Spirit, it's gonna look like the life in the law. Listen to the Holy Spirit and ask him what it be. He's not gonna tell you to murder somebody. That would be violating one of the commands. He's not going to tell you, oh, yes, you should covet thy neighbor's wife. That will not be the voice of the Holy Spirit. He's not going to say, oh, yeah, you see that thing? Just go take it. You deserve it. Yeah, you know what? If you're going to work and you decide you're, like, checking in in your time clock and you actually kind of, like, stop working but then punch out 30 minutes later, if you ask the Holy Spirit about that and say, Holy Spirit, do you feel good about me stealing? The Holy Spirit's going to say, no. <laughs> right? He's not going to go, oh, yeah, I don't care about stealing no more because I died for all that. 
he's not going to say that. If you and I would slow down and listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, we'll never get off track. You can't get off track. And you know what? If you start hearing a voice that doesn't sound like righteousness, like a voice that sounds like, oh, you should do something that violates one of the Ten Commandments or one of the laws, right, that are about moral morality laws, okay? If, there's, if you hear a voice, you should go, okay, I'm pretty sure that might not be the Holy Ghost. That might be uh, Josh or Satan. Could it be um, Satan? Oh, Saturday Night Live folks out here, okay. <clears throat> I grew up watching the church lady. I'm sorry, it just gets in my head. We gotta listen to the right voice. You and I have to take time to discern it. That's where there is a value to knowing the law. But the lawgiver lives inside. That's the beauty, is the lawgiver lives inside. And you and I have to understand that all sin is gonna lead directly to death. Amen. I can have the worship team come. I don't know if they're around, somewhere close. But uh I want, I want you to think about this, and I'm going to ask Eleanor to come up, and we have a prophetic word for uh, us today. Um, but I want you to just get this framework that the relationship with the Holy Spirit is the key. And the freedom, being set free from all this stuff, all these rules, all these regulations, this is true freedom. And don't let someone get you caught back up into feasts and other kinds of things that you feel like you have to do. You don't have to wear certain clothes or uh, worship Jesus on some kind of certain day. All that stuff, you're dead to that. No one has to follow that anymore. You can go in and study all that stuff and nerd out about it all day long. And it is fascinating because the depths of what God has done through the, the nation of Israel is mind-blowing. There's so many details that never end, and we probably never will discover them here on earth. God will show us all the intricacies of the tapestry that he wove together that's so beautiful throughout all of world history, and all of that is caught up in there, and it all had purpose, but all of that purpose is, the, is fulfilled in Jesus, finished in him. And there's one more thing that we're waiting for, and it's the return of Christ. That's it. That's the last feast that we're waiting for is that return of Christ. Everybody's waiting for it, right? And so I just want to encourage you that don't let anybody get trick you into like thinking you got to live according to all that stuff. You don't. You've got to live according to the law of the life-giving spirit going on inside of you. That's what you need. And it's about this connection with Jesus. So before we hear this prophetic word, I want to give you an opportunity today. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I want to give you an opportunity to do that now. So if you could close your eyes for a moment. If you're here today and you're like, Jesus, I know I need you. I know I need an encounter with you. And I want to know this life-giving spirit. I want to have a real relationship with him. You know now you don't have to live up to a bunch of rules. You get a relationship with the living God who sets you free from the burden of your sin. What a beautiful opportunity. If you're here today and you say that, that's me, Pastor. I just really want a relationship with Jesus. I'll pray with you right in your seat. All you got to do is stretch your hand up, and I'll pray with you. Anybody here? Thank you very much. Jesus, I want to give my life to you. I'm ready to receive you. Anybody else? Yeah, thank you very much. Awesome. 
Anybody else? Jesus, I want to receive you. You can put your hands down. Thanks. Let's pray. Just pray this with me. Jesus, I believe you are God, and I believe you died for my sin. Come and save me now. Come into my heart. Change me forever. I want to be like you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Eleanor, will you come? You know, the Bible says if you receive a prophet, you get the prophet's reward. And I just want to just encourage you and all of us that we just receive this prophetic word from Eleanor and just invite the Lord to just do a great ministry inside of your heart specifically, right? We can go, all of us, it's great. The Holy Spirit wants to minister to you and there might be a specific word for you today. So open your heart to that. Thank you, Pastor Josh. This morning as I woke up and uh, began to pray, um, I heard the Lord say that he wanted to release some words of knowledge uh, this morning to us. And even as Michael released the uh, exhortation out of Psalms 103, saying, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. He's also saying, Be holy, even as I am holy. And he's, he's saying... Um, that it's not being holy according to our own righteousness, our own standard, our own measurements, but because Christ in us is the Holy One, He says we can also be holy. And so with that, He has all of His benefits for us. So we just thank God for His benefits this morning. Uh, one of the words that He gave me was um, that He wanted to heal people's hearts this morning not only your natural heart, but your spiritual heart. I felt like that, um, that there were people here that uh, may be having issues with their heart, their natural hearts. Uh, if you have any uh, palpitations, uh, any, uh, you know, any issues with your heart, I want to invite you to come up and receive your healing this morning. There are benefits to being in Christ. Amen. Thank you, Lord. This is good news. Amen. And, and if your heart is hurting and aching this morning, receive healing for your spiritual heart as well. And then I also heard um, that he wanted to heal uh, some ears this morning. Um, there's some ears that he wants to open up. There's ringing ear. There's, and I kept uh, feeling like that there was like almost like clogging, like you, you keep wanting to, I don't know what that's called, but it almost feels like it's clogged or something, like waterlogged. Um, but healing of the ears this morning, come on up and receive your healing. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Jesus Christ is the healer. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. The other thing that I heard this morning was he wanted to heal marriages. Um, and there was like one or two... Uh, well, he said two in particular. I don't know of any situations. Don't ask me. I don't know. Um, th and that there were a couple in particular who were on the brink of divorce. And I know one person came up this morning, but I believe that there is another couple here uh, or another one person this morning that your, your marriage really severely needs to be healed and restored. And it's interesting, uh, as I was sitting here, the Lord also said that he wanted to um, say to a couple people, he wants your commitment. Not only to him, but 
to your significant other. Again, I have no clue. He said, where's the commitment? So, Lord, I thank you for your, your Holy Spirit this morning that's coming to heal our hearts, to heal our ears, to heal our relationships, and to heal our marriages. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that you are the one, oh God, that has your very best interest in mind for all of us. I thank you, Jesus, that you are our Savior, you're our Deliverer, you're our Healer. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you guide us and lead us into the way of all truth and that your truth is being revealed now for the healing of these people. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. I want to do one more thing. So if you, I really want to encourage you, if that was you, do not walk out of this church without letting someone pray for you. Amen? That's your discipline. We're doing our part, hearing from the Lord, ministering to you. Your job is to be brave enough, let somebody else pray for you, trust God for that healing. Amen? I believe that there are people here that you or I or we have felt kind of like the law has come down and someone is maybe a parent or a authority figure has brought that law down over the top of you and it's felt crushing or a weight that's been on you and and it's like that legalism has really kind of bound you up and what we want to do is just forgive that the road out of this is forgiveness what they did to you was wrong right and we need to unravel that i just want to first own that if there's anybody here that you felt a parent or a authority figure like hurt you in some way would, would you raise your hand and I could pray with you? Awesome, thank you. Anybody else? Yeah, awesome, 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 awesome. Can we keep the band down just a little bit? Sorry, I just want to be able to pray this a little bit. You guys getting excited back there, fired up. Here we go, awesome. Let's pray. We're going to do this. We'll pray together. First, uh, before I do that, I want to say this. I want to ask you, just stand in for that authority figure and say, I'm sorry that I hurt you or any authority figure sinned against you, it was wrong, and I'm asking for your forgiveness right now. Will you forgive me? Will you forgive that authority figure? Is it in your heart to do so? If say, just say yes. If you believe it, if you can, just say yes. Awesome. Now let's pray, and just pray with me. I'll pray, and then you pray after me, and just say this, Father, I pray out loud, Father, in Jesus' name, I purpose and choose to forgive this authority figure that cast legalism over me or was spiritually abusive to me. I release them now. I cancel all their debts and obligations to me. And in the name of Jesus, I ask you to forgive me for bitterness that I've harbored in my heart towards this authority figure. I release that bitterness in Jesus' name. I command bitterness to go. Leave me now. Any unclean spirits 
attached to this sin and unforgiveness go in Jesus' name. And Holy Spirit, just put your hand on your heart and say, Holy Spirit, come heal my heart. Heal my broken heart. Set me free, God. Fill me up. I want to live in freedom according to your spirit. Help me to never pick up this unforgiveness again. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I just break legalism off of my life. Come on, you can do that. Break legalism off of my life in Jesus' name. I choose to live by your spirit. Holy Spirit, I choose you. I choose you. Speak to me, Lord. Ask the Lord to speak to you. Holy Spirit, speak to me. Speak to me your truth. Reveal your truth to me, God. Anybody feel the Lord let something go? Anybody feel something lift off of them? Yeah? <laughs> Anybody else? Yeah, awesome. Lord, you felt something too, buddy? That's awesome. Lord, speak anything significant to you? Just say it out real quick. What did he say to you? What did he say? I have more for you. Woo. You know, when you take up bitterness, that's what you can get for yourself. And guess what? It's taking up room. And when you get rid of it, God can fill up that space with stuff He has for you. <laughs> and it's good. It's way better than bitterness, I promise. I've got more for you. I believe that's a word for everybody out here. Who else? God say something to you? What did he say to you, brother? Oh, the Holy Spirit in your life? <laughs> oh, come on. Hey, Amen. Let's, let's stand for a second. If you want the Holy Spirit to come fill your heart right now, we're just going to invite the Holy Spirit some fresh baptisms. We had 46 kids get baptized in the Holy Spirit. We can have 46 adults get baptized in the Holy Spirit right now. Just stretch your hands up to heaven for a second and just begin to ask the Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, I love you. Forgive me for denying you in any way. Holy Spirit, I bless your name. You are worthy, Jesus. And Holy Spirit, come. Fill my heart fresh. Fill my heart new. I just invite your Holy Spirit to minister to me right now. God, fill me fresh. Fill me new. God, I want all that you have for me. Thank you, Jesus. If you want prayer for healing, just come now to the front. There's prayer team here. We're going to worship, and we're just going to worship for a few minutes. If you want prayer, you're welcome to come now. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at abbotloop.org and like us on Facebook. Services in Anchorage, Alaska are at 9 and 11 a.m. We hope to see you soon.